It's been a pretty crazy week. It's almost unbelievable to think that it's only been three days since our last show. By now, there's no way that you haven't heard about the punishment that has been handed down to Baker Mayfield in response to his crotch-grabbing antics from Saturday's game against Kansas. He has been stripped of his captainship for this Saturday's game against West Virginia, and he will also not start, although he will play. It's been fascinating to observe the differing viewpoints that have emerged from this story. To recap, it seems that fans, pundits, and writers have broken off into a handful of distinct factions. There's a subgroup that believes Baker did nothing wrong, that the punishment is not justified, and that the national media is out to get Baker. I believe this is a subgroup that mostly is populated by hardcore fans. There's another group that doesn't condone Baker's behavior, but thinks the university unfairly threw Mayfield under the bus to appease Oklahoma's administration. This viewpoint was well articulated by Kerry Murdoch over at Sooner Scoop earlier this week. Barry Trammell wrote a column on Monday explaining why Baker Mayfield should be suspended because his behavior against Kansas, as well as his behavior over the past year, is completely unacceptable. This is a viewpoint that seemed a little extreme at time of publication uh, because it came out before the suspension, but now seems to be a pretty widely held belief amongst members of the national media, including Colin Cowherd. Then there's a faction that is not particularly worried about the story at all and thinks it's a matter of a college kid being torn down for an immature but ultimately harmless act. This opinion is held most notably, uh, most notably by the athletic Stuart Mandel, or Stuart Mandel. On Monday, I gave you my initial thoughts on the controversy. This was before the punishment had been handed down, and since then my mind has gone in a lot of, dif- a lot of different directions. Having that been said... I'm, I'm going to give you what my opinion is on this matter after being able to critically think about it this week. Full disclosure, I do not believe that my take here is inherently correct. You are free to disagree with me, and I'm able to see the side of every argument that I, de- that I just described. As I alluded to last week, Baker Mayfield's antics have always challenged me. We've all seen how Baker carries himself on the field. He's intense, he's chippy, and it always seems like he's playing angry. How many times have you seen a defensive player breathe on Baker Rong only to see Mayfield instantly get in his face? Happens a lot, maybe every single game the last three seasons. Because of instances like this, I think the punishment is necessary. Let me explain. Baker Mayfield's actions, good or bad, directly impact this football team. And up to this point, it's honestly a miracle that his fiery antics have not cost this team a game. Whether it be because of an ill-timed penalty, a terrible throw because he's too jacked up, or because he got himself hurt trying to prove a point. That's why Lincoln Riley had to make a symbolic statement in an attempt to curve this behavior before it's too late. There are hopefully four games left in this season. It would be a real shame if a stupid, emotional decision cost this team a national championship. Period. Baker is just way too damn good for something like this to happen. Here's hoping that this punishment will be the wake-up call that he needed to finally control this behavior because the fate of the 2017 Oklahoma Sooners rests with him, period. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. Alex Ross brings it out of the end zone. Ross with a hole. Ross still on the move. Down the sideline. How about this? Alex Ross.
Alex Ross welcomes us all into this edition of West of Everest. Ross's kickoff return knotted the game at 24 between OU and West Virginia in Morgantown back in 2014. The Sooners went on to win that one 45 to 33, thanks mostly to a monster game from Samaje Pirine. He had 242 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Hi, everyone. I'm Lee Benson. You just heard my brother Grant at the top of the show with the opening take. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. We don't take Thanksgiving off here at West of Everest. There's just way too many important things to talk about with the college football season winding down, sadly. Full disclosure, Grant and I are recording this podcast late Wednesday night, actually the early hours of Thanksgiving Thursday morning. Grant in Oklahoma for Thanksgiving, so he and I are in the same location for the recording of West of Evers for the first time since our season preview show back in August. So, Grant, a lot has happened since episode one. Can't believe we're already here. This entire week honestly feels like it's been the, the whole season. This has been such a weird week. It's just a lot of news and a lot of... It, I, I never thought that this would ever be a thing that, that happened this year. I, I, I really am, am slightly concerned that this, this could have a derailing effect on the season. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but it's just... Everything that's happened this week has just been weird. It's been a weird week. I don't really... I'm not worried at all about this having any sort of effect. I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal, mostly. Um, I'm surprised by everything that's happened. I'm surprised that Baker Mayfield, honestly, was punished. Although I will say my mind has changed a lot since the beginning of it. So let's let's start back. So you went over the punishment. His sideline behavior against Kansas was not tolerated by um, those within the Sooners program and within the administration or whomever. So, as you said, he's not going to start. He's not going to be a captain on Saturday. And then the the thing on Monday, whenever Lincoln Riley announced it, he got pretty emotional when he announced that punishment of Baker Mayfield. And I believe there was a moment where Riley was choked up so much that he couldn't speak for more than 30 seconds, which I don't know if I've ever seen that before from a coach. So, clearly, it means a lot to Lincoln Riley. And then later that night, Baker Mayfield got, on, uh, got in front of the podium and, and spoke as well and said that he understood it and he accepted the punishment and he got emotional as well when speaking all about that too. So, you and I were speaking about this beforehand and you and I differ pretty significantly when it comes to this. And it specifically, you told me that the main punishment of the two is the stripping of the captainship, which in my mind the main punishment of it is not starting and then who knows how long he won't play because initially I thought maybe Bayfield will he'll have to sit out at least a half right because if he gets to come in like right away after one play or if he gets to come in after a series people might think well that wasn't much of a punishment because he he barely didn't even play and it's not going to really affect the game at all so tell me why you think the stripping of the captainship is more of a punishment and I guess technically based on what Mayfield said he seemed like that was a taking that away was a bigger deal to him than not starting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going off of what he told us. Um, so I, I don't think we have a soundbite of it, but, but to, to paraphrase his quote was, you know, not starting the game is whatever, but it's that it's being stripped of the captainship. That, that is really the thing that hurts. And he, he said it numerous times over the course of his press conference too. Um, and so now that I actually think about it, Lee, that the, the way that he said that, it makes me think that he knows that he's not going to be sitting for very long. Um, in fact, that almost becomes blatantly obvious to me now that I replay that in my head. Um, so I, I think we're going to get into that later on in the show. But yeah, I, I clearly 
being stripped of the captainship meant a lot to him. He got choked up talking about it. Um, you and I had disagreements because you think it doesn't change anything about the preparation of the game or what goes into it. Everyone knows he still actually is the captain. While I understand that logic, it's clearly a it's it's clearly a sufficient punishment just because it it means so much to him, and and that's why it's important. So I, I think we're 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 getting into the the weeds about you know kind of like the exactly how the wheels turn over the course of the game and how how the things go and you're right it shouldn't really affect much of anything you are right that he really still is the captain everyone still thinks he's the captain but you know he's telling us that it means a lot to him we have absolutely no idea what's going on in his head and i think it's foolish and actually i mean it's 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 silly to to think otherwise um this I think this punishment is sufficient just because you, you could tell how broken up he was about it. And you, I, I don't think it's up to you to decide whether or not that that's legitimate or whether or not that he, he, he should feel one way or the other. It's, it's how he feels. It's just, it's in red ink. That's, that's just how it is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, to be clear, I'm not saying what I think Baker Mayfield should feel. I'm just, I guess put it this way. It's, it's what I would feel. And Taking your captainship away to me is just a symbolic move because, like you said, he still is the captain. And literally, the only thing, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to change this week will be that three to five minute instance where he walks, where he doesn't walk out of the locker room with his teammates. Instead, he runs out of the tunnel when everyone gets jacked up with the intro video. And then he's not standing at the middle of the field for the coin toss. Like, that's the only difference, which to me, that doesn't really matter a whole lot because it's such a small portion of everything but at the same time if this works out that everyone's gonna go ahead and agree that this is a great punishment or not great punishment but this is a sufficient punishment for him and then Baker Mayfield's able to come into the game relatively quickly that works out well for everybody involved then because he's not going to miss a whole lot of time and honestly it's it's really not going to affect really anything but as far as you know, if, if people want to say that this is a great punishment or this is exactly what he needed, then I suppose Oklahoma played this pretty darn well, if that's the way it's going to go. So um, I, I just have a feeling, I mean, if and I told you this too off air. I mean, you know, all his teammates came up to him at some point after that press conference at practice or outside or text him and said, hey, man, hey, Bake, I mean, you're still a captain. Like, you're our leader. Like, we got you. No big deal. You know, whatever. Like, this is just like symbolic move i mean you're still going to be our, our team leader you we know that and he he probably said oh thanks guys i appreciate that you know and then he just kind of knived on with his life and you know sure I, I i guess it's his last game at home but i'd like to hope that yeah that'll sting a little bit i suppose but the big picture's still way ahead of him win I, this game big 12 title playoff natty i i i don't think that you I don't think this is how you want this to come off, but that 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 whole sort of scenario you just described. If someone acted like that, I would get the impression that they didn't care about the team or the football game at all, and I, that's obviously just not the case. He he cares so much that this breaks him up, and so I think I'm not saying he doesn't so, care. Yeah, but but the, the, your your scenario, your ideal scenario that you just the, that you just laid out. If if someone actually thought that, that would basically mean they really don't care. No, that, it doesn't. How, much. how how so? I okay. I mean, I j- just because like if my whole point is that he's still the captain. He's still the captain of the team. 
And the only thing that's changing is a couple of actions pregame. Everything else is exactly the same. So I, I guess what I'm saying, if I was in his shoes and I was the captain of the team, sure, yeah, I mean, I'd be embarrassed for what happened and then you had to be, you know, ask all these questions about it. You know, that would suck. But when it comes to getting back to practice and preparing for the game, everything is, is exactly the same with the exception of the, the couple minutes before the game starts. And let's hope that's how he treats it. Let's hope that's how he goes about his business. But just to go back to my original point from my opening take, the, the point of a punishment in the situation is to make sure that this behavior stops. I'm not talking about the behavior where, he's, where he gets excited and he's, he's fired up. That's fine. I'm just talking about the behavior where, he's, you know, where he's, he's using vulgarity and he's getting in people's faces. That needs to stop. And if this, was, if, if this is the thing that's going to get him to stop that, then it is the correct punishment. That's sure. what needs to happen. Sure, yeah. I mean, so, I, I will take some umbrage, though, because I, I really don't. I think you're kind of overstating how often he gets up in people's faces and things like that. I really feel like that hasn't happened a whole lot at all this year. And I, I think maybe you have some recency bias just because of what happened on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, there's the things where, like, he'll go into the end zone sometimes and kind of, like, stiff arm a guy when the play's over. And, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, okay, dude, like, the play's over. The guy, they can't, can't really hit you anymore, plus you're the quarterback. But outside of that, I mean, I feel like anytime he does anything, it's either warranted or it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, he had that one, that one uh, personal foul penalty, I think, against Baylor that I'm not even sure what really happened on that play. But that's the only thing he's been called for. I'm like, assuming I, that was for language because I remember that they were. Oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's what it was too. Yeah. So I mean, there you go. Like that's you, you never you never know when you're going to get a rabbit ears official who's okay, going to who's yeah, going to call uh, you out on that stuff. And I think I think when you're when you're making a run for a national championship, you got to cover all the bases. And I, I I was saying it in 2015 when they were in the playoffs. I would hate it if Baker's antics cost them like 15 yards. I was thinking it during that game. Man, and I've so never, it, I've never thought that. I've never thought that at all because I, I feel like he, even though this might not be the, the best take based on what happened on Saturday, I, I think he is pretty smart with most of the things he does. And I was telling you this. I think one thing that really, it's been brought up, but hasn't been fleshed out as much as it probably should have. And you know me. Grant, I'm a personal responsibility guy, and and last show I talked about how Baker Mayfield doesn't represent me; he just plays football for the team that I like to support. But at the same time, what Kansas did to Baker Mayfield was something that we have not really seen at all since Baker Mayfield's been at quarterback at Oklahoma, and therefore that's the first time we've seen Baker Mayfield do that much weird stuff on the sideline. So I really think it was a weird heat of the moment thing, and I think it says a lot too that all the former players all the former college football and nfl players that i've heard been asked about this have all kind of brushed that under the rug what he did of like yeah yeah that stuff happens all the time he just happened to be caught on camera doing it you, can you imagine what even happens on the field uh let's see who was i listening to i mean jesse palmer i mean on espn he joey was, galloway joey jesse galloway palmer. um yeah. I, I was listening booger I was, mcfarland uh, and joey galloway both defended him um yeah. and it's not like a full like oh that's totally cool what he did it's just like yeah like we get it because we played before and that's just how the game is it's a it's a really dirty game I mean obviously they play within the rules but I mean it's there's a lot of emotion and you have to play with the controlled emotion and he lost his cool and it was caught on on TV and and I really think it was blown out of proportion and let's let, well, uh, let me let me bring something up here that we didn't talk about earlier this week on the podcast and I don't think has been getting a ton of national media attention either which I think I mean which is I think is weird because they keep bringing up the flag planning incident but I, I think this this whole thing that no one's really talking about is a bigger deal did you see that video before the TCU game of him uh just 
uh, hitting a guy, a TCU player in the helmet as, as they were running by. Did you see that? I, I heard about it. I haven't seen it. I, I thought it was just like an accident. No, obviously intentional if you watch it. That, that's... Well, that's and, dumb. And I think, yeah, and you know, there, there, I, and it was on Twitter, and I think there was a lot of OU fans looking at it, and they thought it was hilarious. And, like, I get it. Sure, it's funny. But, like, be honest. Like, be honest with yourself. That's a major douchebag move. Oh, yeah. That's a huge major douchebag move. Douche move. Huge and that's, douche move like, there. That, I'm, I'm talking about stuff like that. Like, I mean, that's, that's something that he did. It's documented on video, and it was obviously intentional. So, and I mean, he hit him, like, square on. He hit him right in the helmet. I need to see that video. I feel so, like I, I don't want to comment until I actually see it because it's, it's, something it's, else happened this week, totally unrelated, where I heard somebody say something that happened in a Thunder game, went back and watched the tape, Never happened. The person was full of crap. So that's a whole other okay. unrelated thing. Well, I'm just saying that the the receiver he's supposed to be throwing to is standing on the goal line of, of the end zone, and the TCU player that he hits is like three yards out of the end zone. He, so he overthrows his receiver by over 13 yards and hits wow. hits the guy perfectly in the head. It was obviously intentional. It's a major douchebag move. Yeah. And that and that that is stuff that needs to stop. Well, and who, the whole, and who, like, who, who knows how much stuff like that has happened? Maybe not exactly like that, but stuff like antics like that before the game. That stuff needs to stop. I hate garbage like that. Baker Mayfield or no Baker Mayfield, that's garbage. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's slightly immature. And I've always said my stance on Baker Mayfield is I'm not going to say everything he does is great because it's not. But mostly all he's doing is just he's putting it all on himself. He's basically... Doing all these things he he does, he ends up backing it up and playing awesome. And people are like, well, I mean, the guy backs up. He's great. But the one time where he ends up costing his team the game or he starts playing poorly, then there's going to be an avalanche of criticism towards him. And he will have deserved it all because of all of his actions prior. And so to me, that's like on him. That's all on him. And if he wants to continue to do that so far, he's continued to play really well and I know there's not any way to measure it, but maybe that's another reason why he plays so well. I don't know. Like Again, there's not any way to measure it, and I know it's not the NFL. It's college, and the competition will get a lot tougher in the NFL. But for whatever reason, he does all this stuff, and he plays really well, and he'll throw a bad pick once in a blue moon or twice in a game against Oklahoma State out of nowhere. But for the most part, he always plays really well, But which he plays really well, and then you kind of just forget about kind of his his random douchey antics sometimes and he's his his talent as a football player oh always overshadows everything else he does which makes sense because he's the best player in the country and i think he gets compared to a lot to johnny manzel these days which i mean i understand it like because they both could like kind of run around and be more mobile but baker mayfield's a much better player than johnny manzel he's got a better arm than johnny manzel he can read a defense better than johnny manzel he was able to make plays happen within the context of the offense better than johnny manzel was johnny manzel would immediately when things broke down he would go into scramble mode and like what do i do now whereas baker mayfield still tries to run the play like it's supposed to run and then at the very last second if he has to he'll make something happen if he absolutely has to and he's a little he's a little thicker than johnny manzel and i don't know if that's muscle or if that's a little bit of uh you know, a little bit of fat. I don't know what Baker Mayfield's diet's like, but whatever. It's it seems to work out well for him. Um, so, anyways, I, I guess I wanted to talk about Manziel a bit. It, it, it's it's. But at the same time, I know I'm kind of getting long winded. But at the same time, though, I still I still think it's 
it's valuable for those who point out that Manziel didn't work out in the NFL because we have that example of Johnny Manziel, and there are some tendencies that are similar between the two players. So it's something to look out for, and you don't want to see as many red flags with Baker Mayfield as you did probably with Johnny Manziel. I, I do want to go on the record as saying I think the comparisons to Johnny Manziel are totally unfair. Um, and really, when you actually look into that comparison more, does not hold up to criticism whatsoever. If you actually look at it, Johnny Menzel had a had a long documented history of alcohol abuse. Um, by the time he was out of college, you know there was lots of rumors about drug abuse. Co- you know, doing cocaine in Las Vegas bathrooms. Baker Mayfield has none of that baggage that we are aware of. And also, Baker Mayfield, as far as we know, didn't sign a bunch of autographs that were against the NCAA rules and didn't get away with basically probably he should have been Manziel probably should have been suspended for the entire year based on what Des Bryant got suspended for back when he like went and had dinner with Deion Sanders. Like, are you kidding me? And Johnny Manziel got slapped on the wrist and had to sit out a half against UTEP or Rice or whatever it was. So from from that angle of um of comparing uh, Baker to Johnny Manziel in terms of, of personality or character, I, I think that's straight crap. There, there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that he is anything like Johnny Manziel off of the football field at all. I, you saw the... I, I'm going to bring up a kind of a funny example. You know Mia Khalifa, the former porn star, when he when after... Uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> she tweeted at Baker Mayfield after that Ohio State game like was literally slid into his DMs because she because she wanted some and Baker instantly blocked her like he no, yeah did what Grant he gave her the Heisman <laughs> he, yeah well he, oh. he he blocked her so I'm like you think Johnny Manziel would have blocked Mia Khalifa no he would have gone he, he would have gone all in on that so I, I just wanted to bring that up just because it's a funny story and also I think it actually is a pretty good kind of nod to his character right, that was that 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 move with with blocking Mia Khalifa, I thought that showed a lot of self awareness. That, that's all, and I, I think that's if if you want to point to all the bad things that Baker Mayfield has done, really only like three things. Let let's point to the one awesome, hilarious thing that he did that that showed off why you know he's so awesome. And I, I just I, I wanted to end this long Baker Mayfield discussion on on that anecdote. <laughs> and to be fair, he did get. He was dumb and ran away from cops and got tackled into a uh, a rock. So I'm not. We're not going to sit here and like ignore the fact that he got arrested. That was stupid. That was really stupid. I just, just like, want to bring it up. I mean, that's something that people would point to, of course. And yeah, that was dumb. Really I mean, stupid. But and he's lucky that he didn't break his ribs. I, maybe he did. He, yeah. Really stupid. But I, I don't think that's anything that is really that big of a deal. That that's it. That's something that happens to half of like every college student. So, you know. Uh, Really half? Uh. No, that was probably that's that's probably you know pretty much every statistic is made up. So I just did it there, but it wow. seems like it's wow. Half. No, you just disregard that. West of Everest is better than that. We give you real facts, real stats. All right, let's talk West Virginia. We went Baker Mayfield talk for twenty plus minutes. He's a popular guy. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield's offense against West Virginia West Virginia's defense. And first off, we haven't really touched on this that that much how long do you think Mayfield will sit out I think it's going to be a series I think it's going to be a series as well I at first I thought you got I think I said this earlier you got to send him out at least a half because you got to send a message that you're not just doing this for show but apparently the big punishment was the captain I, thing I do not think that you can do that for a half because when you do that you punish the entire team for his for for the one stupid thing that he did uh, so I 
I, I think that would be totally unfair to the team to, to suspend him. E- even though I, I, I mean, if, if they did suspend him for the half, I, I, I do think Kyler would, would, would be able to, you know, to, to be all right, at least. I, I, don't, I don't think they would be run off the field or anything like that. Ky- Kyler Murray is, is still very capable. So we both think a series for Baker Mayfield. Speaking of Kyler Murray, he's getting the start, and I feel like my entire professional career in broadcast sports journalism has led to this moment, Grant, because I was there in College Station when Kyler Murray came on at Texas A&M, all of that quarterback controversy. I was there when Kyler Murray made his first career start against South Carolina. I believe it was on Halloween. And he broke the freshman record for like total yards in a game or something like that. And, and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this is the next great Texas a quarterback. And then that fizzled out pretty quickly. And then he ended up transferring after, before the bowl game and also Kyle Allen. And so he transferred to Oklahoma. And I, at the time, I never thought I would ever be working in Oklahoma City. But now here I am. And Kyler Murray is about to start for the Sooners. It's very bizarre and surreal. I'm looking forward to it. I like Kyler Murray. I think he's a nice player. I, I think coming to Oklahoma was the best thing that could have could have been for him because he has gotten so much better tutelage under this coaching staff and this offensive coaching staff, to be more specific, than he ever got at Texas A&M under Kevin Sumlin and Jake Spavadol. To be fair, every other every player that went to Oklahoma would have the same thing because this is the best offensive staff in college football. So Kyler Murray, even though he had to sit an extra year now because Baker Mayfield got an extra year of eligibility, he's done a nice job. He's sat back and he's watched. And I think this was good for him at another level because Baker Mayfield is the obvious unquestioned starter here. And he's going to learn a lot from Mayfield, obviously. And also there's not that thought of like, yeah, I, I could definitely win this starting job like he had again at A&M with Kyle Allen. It was like he had a chance to play and there wasn't there was like some tension. I, I had heard the rumor was that the locker room at Texas A&M was split in half, one for Kyler Murray, half of it for Kyle Allen. So, I mean, that didn't exist at Oklahoma. So Kyler Murray has grown up, I bet, a lot in this last year and a half. And I think he's going to play well for as long as he plays. I'm not sure we think it'll just be a series. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kyler Murray comes in in that first series and leads Oklahoma to a touchdown in that opening drive. I wouldn't either. It, it, it's going to be it is going to be a highly uh, choreographed drive. I would assume. Um, you, you have your you have your question here. You know how much does this offense change with Kyler Murray? Probably not really at all. But but I think you are going to see a, a pretty aggressive approach. I, I would guess. You're, there's no way they're going to start Kyler Murray in a game and not try to get him. Uh, you know, outside the pocket and run. So um, we'll see maybe that. Uh, they kind of added a bit of a wrinkle. Um, in, in the TCU game, they had, you know, the the big, uh, their big running play this year is that, is that, that counter where they, where they pull Orlando Brown and either, you know, Powers or Samia, whoever, on whatever side that is. Um, Oklahoma State sort of found a way to stop that. And what they did was they, they brought pressure from the edge. And a little wrinkle that that Lincoln Riley added into that play for TCU was he basically just added Baker Mayfield a, a read option. He just he just, he made it a read option. So that's something that I think uh, Kyler Murray is 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 uh, perfect for him, obviously, because Kyler is is a better runner than Baker is. So um, I, I think that's a play that we're almost certainly going to see a handful of times on, on the first drive because I think this is a game where the Sooners are absolutely going to try to pound away at that West Virginia front. The, the Sooners are, are going to want to run the ball as, as much as humanly possible in this game because I think that's probably where West Virginia is, is most vulnerable. And also Kyler Murray gets a lot of publicity for his legs and the way he likes to run. But really, 
I think Murray wants to throw it more than he actually wants to run it. So don't get this idea of like he's just a running quarterback that can sometimes throw. No, Kyler Murray's a pocket passer. He's a baseball player. Baseball players like to show off their arm, and he has pretty decent accuracy. Yeah, I mean, I saw him play. I mean, he, he played at times a little bit against Alabama. He played in that South Carolina game. I mean, he, they, they used Kyler Murray back at Texas A&M in a couple packages. Heck, he's played this year for OU. I mean, in some garbage time games, obviously. He can throw the football. So I'm looking forward to seeing what his accuracy looks like when he's not take, uh, you know, taking it down and running it on Saturday as well. And, uh, I mean, again, I mean, just like Baker Mayfield, the, the knock on Kyler Murray is his size. I mean, he's, a, he's shorter than Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's a little guy. And that, uh, that's interesting. Uh, but at the same time, it's probably kind of nice for Lincoln Riley because his backup quarterback is basically – the same in a lot of ways to a starting quarterback, so the offense does not change a whole lot. West Virginia's defense, Grant, you know, three down linemen. They say it's like a three five five. I mean, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, three, 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 five. three five five would be thirteen players. That would be illegal. That would be yeah. That that that'd be a darn good D. That would they, be. They would be, be good. Add, add extra two guys. You think you think if the Sooners uh, could add two guys to their secondary and have thirteen guys in the field, they would have. They, they might. They <laughs> might have been able to hold. Oklahoma State to under 50 points to, yeah to or to maybe like under 600 yards maybe or yeah they may have been able to hold Baylor to like less than 35 or whatever it was that Baylor ended up getting so yeah okay so three three five and you're gonna and here's what you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of not blitzing and a lot of dropping eight guys in the coverage and playing that umbrella type coverage like Mike Stoops likes to call it and forcing Baker Mayfield to be patient take what the defense gives them and West Virginia will try to prevent the big plays. And as you said a moment ago, Oklahoma's going to want to pound the football. And I agree. I think West Virginia's defense will be very susceptible to the running game against Oklahoma. And that's where you see the Sooners try to make their make their uh, their way against the Mountaineers. And and that's that's the weak part of their defense, Lee. They are so you guys know me. I like S and P. They are 69th, nice uh, in rush defense. Uh, that's not very good. They're 87th and allowing explosive plays, uh, rush defense, um, a hundred or a 98th overall, just in defensive and allowing explosive plays. This is a West Virginia defense that if, if the Sooners play well, they can, they can have their way with. This is, this is a defense that's probably, I'm trying to think of a team that it's similar to, uh, probably similar to Kansas state's defense, I would say, in, in terms of raw numbers like this. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I, it's, I, I, it's, it's certainly not a defense that is, that is a threat to shut OU down. Uh, but, but really look, uh, early in the game for the Sooners to really establish the run game. Um, West Virginia's defensive coordinator, Tony Gibson, uh, earlier this week said, um, he said, I don't know how much Oklahoma reads our media guys, but, um, I'm, I'm not going to blitz that guy. That guy being Baker, um, he's going to have, we're, we're not going to give him any gifts. So paraphrasing what he said. So who knows if he'll, if he'll stick on that. Uh, Usually West Virginia is, is a pretty aggressive defense. They usually blitz quite a bit actually. Um, in the past they have at least. Um, so we'll see that this year. Uh, they're not really anymore. If they're not, from what I understand, I mean, I watched the Texas game and I know Texas's offense is different than OU's offense, but they very rarely blitzed against Texas. And you heard that, like you said, the defensive coordinator doesn't want to blitz Baker Mayfield. I think a defense this is going to look like similar to a defense that Oklahoma seen this year. It's going to be like a less good version of Iowa state's defense. And I'm going to say, yeah, I, I would say a less, a much less good version of TCU's defense because they they sort of run similar schemes. I, I know TCU usually has about only has two linebackers usually, 
Um, but you know, this is, this is a West Virginia defense where their base defense, there's only going to be six guys in the box in their base defense. Um, and so they're just inviting you to run the ball. And that's why this OU offense is so good because OU is the best running team in the country. We well, so, said, see that that's why see, that's why I was confused when I, you know, I said three, five, five and did bad math. You say there's only six guys in the box against Texas. It was three down linemen, and like it looked like there was four or five linebackers spread across. They can bring a safety in, I, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, they were. I mean, I guess loading up against the run, but I mean, overall, I mean, Texas, Texas offense is not very good. I mean, the the West West Virginia defense did get a ninety four yard pick six on an awful decision by Sam Ellinger in that game, and that was only one of two touchdowns scored by West Virginia. So the Mountaineers offense only managed one score. We'll get to them in a second. This defense is um, something to look out for. I mean, they gave up 50 to Oklahoma State in Morgantown, but look at the numbers. Oklahoma State didn't gain a whole lot of yard. I mean, relative to what Oklahoma State normally gains, West Virginia was able to hold the Cowboys under 500 yards of offense, 462 yards of offense in that game. I think and, that was a and Mason I, Rudolph threw a pick six in that one as well too. I do think that was a bad weather game though. I it, think was. it was. It was a raining game, I believe. Cold and rainy. So, I mean that 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 matters. If if last you know if, if last week against Kansas, if, if, if the wind made that much of a difference, and I yeah. think it's fair to say, um, I, I still have my doubts about whether or not the wind should cause that much of a difference. But um, you, well, when you're going into the wind straight, it's tough to throw the football down the field. Yeah, which, I might be totally wrong about that. I just have doubts about it. If if, 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 if someone wants windy. to correct me, I'm more than happy. Next to, time it's super windy, go out and throw a football into that wind and see how okay see how you like okay. It. That was a weird game, too, because it was an ugly and dirty game. Dirty is not the right word. It was a gross game. How about that? Because there's nine combined turnovers between West Virginia and Oklahoma State. And the Cowboys turned it over four times. And West Virginia, West Virginia turned it over five times. And that was with Will Greer, too, playing quarterback. Threw a lot of picks in that one. Yeah, with, with Will Greer under center, West Virginia really, really liked turning the ball over. Um, we'll, we'll see if that changes with, with this new guy. Um, I say new guy because I honestly I don't know how to pronounce his name. Lee, you you I, I feel like you did a good job of it um, earlier, like before we started recording. But let, let's be real, man. I I don't know. It's it, it's a Russian sounding name. I'm not quite sure if it's a Russian name, but his name is Chris Chuganov. Chris Chuganov. It's spelled like a Russian name. C H U. Yeah, mostly. But his name is Chris, which is decidedly not which Russian. is obviously a Russian. No. So, uh, I mean, you're talking about the quarterback. Let's talk about the West Virginia offense then. I mean, the question is, is Chris Chuganov good? He's going to start because Will Greer had his middle right, which is his throwing hand finger, just bent the entire wrong way against Texas. And it was in the first quarter. Hold on, I got notes. And it was just kind of like insult to injury. It was with four and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. He was diving towards the end zone for like a touchdown. But... But they had to review the play, <laughs> and after they reviewed the play, and this is after he obviously broke his finger, they ruled that he fumbled the ball forward off of the pylon, and so it was a touchback. <laughs> and so the touchdown didn't even count, and then they lost Will Greer for the, the rest of the year probably. And sidebar, how many times has this happened in the last like month or two months where in NFL or college you've seen a guy go for a touchdown, they fumble it a bit, and then they call it a touchback? It happened in the Bears game a couple weeks ago against the Packers. It happened in that Jets game between the Jets and the Patriots a couple months ago, which was an awful call. It's just a weird, bizarre rule that they <laughs> they punish the, the team with the football that close to the end zone that badly for such a slight mistake. Like, oh, sorry, you don't get any points, and the other team gets the football. <laughs> it's a weird rule. 
I, it's, I don't think it's a re- like what else are you going to do in that situation like it's a, it's a touchback that's what happened like that's by you know what I mean like I, I I've heard this take too I I think it was it might have been while I was watching this game on Saturday I think it was one of the the commentators in the game said there's a weird rule it's not a weird it's not a weird rule at all like what else can you what are you gonna do just move it back out well, to like the 20 or something if, if like, there's a fumble at any other time that goes out of bounds it's just like oh it's out of, they just they put the ball where the fumble was if it goes forward so like in this situation it goes forward and like oh since it's by the end zone it's touchback it's like well why doesn't it just it goes out of bounds, and why can't they just put the ball where the guy fumbled? I mean, that just seems like such a harsh punishment for for um, getting so close to the end zone. And like sometimes the defense doesn't even make a play; like it's just rewarding the defense for almost getting scored on. So that's why it's weird to me. It just it, like I understand that's what a touchback is. So, so is Chris Chuganov good? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His numbers are okay for a backup: twenty-four of forty-two for two seventy, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, and this for, was a, this is a weather game, at least for the first quarter. Yeah, for, from what I watched against Texas, uh, from what I watched against Texas, he looked he 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 didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible either. He looked he looked slightly capable, to be honest with you. He, yeah, yeah, Chuganov improved throughout the game by far. Early on, and obviously you would expect it. He was coming in cold in a bad weather game. He was overthrowing guys. He missed David David Sills. David Sills. David yes. Sills. By like five yards when he had him wide open in the second quarter. Will Greer has a touchdown pass. Although Will Greer had a touchdown pass totally dropped by Karan White in the first quarter. That would have made it 7 nothing West Virginia. And then Chuganov missing an, an open Sills on a slant route on the next drive. Would have been an easy first down, big chunk play. So early on in the game, he was missing guys. But later on, late in the fourth quarter when they needed him to play pretty well, he started playing better. And, and there was one play... If you watch the game long enough, you probably saw it. In the fourth quarter, there was 12 minutes to go. Texas just blitzes the house, just right into his face. And he he hangs in the pocket well, delivers a strike for a first down on a third and nine play. And Texas is called for a personal foul and targeting as well. And uh, Brecken Hager was kicked out of the game for targeting. And on that same drive, he completed a 12-yard touchdown pass to White on four, on a fourth down throw where he stood in the pocket, let the route develop, and hit White perfectly on a slant in the end zone for his touchdown. They made it 21 to 14 easily. It, it, it was his best drive of the day. And West Virginia was able to get the ball back for him even, you know, after that next drive. But then he took a bad sack, held the ball a little bit too long, got stripped and Texas recovered it at the West Virginia six yard line, which was basically the ball game because Texas was able to score in the next couple of plays. And there's only about five minutes to go in the game. So they were down by two scores. Point being, as the game progressed, he looked better. With a week now of preparation before Oklahoma against an Oklahoma defense that's not near as good as Texas's defense, Oklahoma's defense is going to be challenged. Not as much by by this guy as they would have by Greer, obviously, but this guy's not going to be garbage. He's going to be pretty pretty solid. And, and uh, again, I'm getting long-winded, but before I turn it over to you, Grant, I think we're going to see this, and this is not breaking news. We're going to see a lot of short passes, a lot of easy throws, and we saw that at the first, at, at the start anyways when he came in against Texas just to kind of get his feet underneath him. And let's be honest, West Virginia does that anyways with Will Greer, and then they set up longer throws. So they're going to do that a lot. It's up to the wide res- the Oklahoma defensive backs to put a little pressure on the wide receivers and not allow him to complete all these easy passes and obviously the defensive line to get a little bit of pressure on him, even though they're going to be passes that are designed to get out of Chuganov's hands quickly. And going to those wide receivers, I'm just looking at the numbers here. They have West Virginia has a really impressive core of wide receivers. Uh, they're 
um, their numbers are off the charts good. Um, they have they have three guys who have over 900 yards receiving, um, which means they're going to have three guys who go over a thousand yards this year. Um, Gary Jennings, their leading receiver, already is over a thousand yards. Um, leads me to believe that this this West Virginia receiving core is is probably the second best in the country behind Oklahoma State. Uh, I would guess just looking at their numbers, these are insane numbers. Um, Anywho, so obviously there's there, there's anywho. anywho there's still guys on West Virginia who who are, who are able to beat you. Not even to mention Justin Crawford, who ran for six thousand yards against OU last year. Um, so, I yeah, I mean this is this is not the layup that people think it is. I, I'm just this is a this is a good West Virginia team. They have a lot of offensive weapons. They, Oklahoma they really is very fortunate that Will Greer is not playing in this game because this was I mean, he's he might be the next. I mean, outside of Mayfield, I mean he's. Okay, that's not. There's there's some better quarterback. I mean, he's a top five quarterback this year. And Will college, Greer, yeah, he's he's good. Football. And this is and Will Will Greer's Will Greer's thing this year, guys, is that he just he bombed away on everyone. He didn't care. He just kept throwing it deep on everyone. And you know that is not as an OU fan. That is not what you wanted to see. So the Sooners caught a huge break with Will Greer not playing in this game. And you never know. Chris Chris Shuganov might might pull a Kyle Kempton, might play out of his mind. So That's I, I, what we, I was gonna say. We, we saw it we saw it a month and a half ago against, you know, and this is this is a team that's coming in with better players than Iowa State has. So at least on offense. So just don't don't get too confident with this game is all I'm saying. Well, the Oklahoma defense can't take him lightly. Just because Will Greer is out, they can't pull the same stuff that they likely pulled before Iowa State when they found out that Jacob Park was out and thought, oh, well, let's just throw every, the game plan out the window and let's just let's go and just beat around this third-string quarterback. Oklahoma had a week to prepare for this guy. Not a whole lot of film on him, but that shouldn't detract from them being extremely prepared and just watching heck, watching Will Greer film because he's not going to be Will Greer, but the offense is not going to change. They're not going to change the offense. And so Oklahoma, you know, the question is, what should the defense do to attack West Virginia's offense? Well, I'd like to think that Oklahoma is going to think of some newfound ways to attack. But really, what Mike Stoops likes to do is the same thing every week. He likes to run his 3-4 type defense with soft coverage every once in a while. He'll bring his corners up to play a little bit tight, play a little bit of man, and then just see what happens. And I'd like to see them force the issue and blitz this guy a bit because he's going to be uncomfortable because Texas did, and, and it worked out more than it didn't work out. But I just don't know if I'm going to see that happen because we just haven't seen that happen. I think we're at the we're we're at we're at this point in the season, Lee, where I don't think we we should uh, really rely on any sort of scheme changes on defense or or scheming. Maybe yeah, maybe in a potential playoff situation, if they have a month to prepare, you would see some some things different on the scheme. But I think we're at the point now where I think we're just going to play a, a base scheme, uh, be in that base three four play you know soft coverage on the inside and, and I think right now Mike Stoops is just really banking on that defensive line uh, continuing to improve and, and becoming especially Devontae Lampkin on the inside basically being able to stop the run by himself which is in a 3-4 with the nose tackle is basically supposed to do um, that's basically what he's banking on right now and let's let's hope that it works out that way I I, I don't like that strategy at all in fact I hate it but <laughs> Well, the only upside of that strategy is, in theory, it should be a very simple defense, and all the guys should always be on the same exact page and never be thinking too much out there, which on defense, you don't want your guys thinking a lot. You want your guys flying around to the ball and making tackles and making plays. The thing is, though, as the year has progressed, as we've seen, even though it looks like they're trying to do things simply, it's not, and mistakes happen. The only upside to 
the last couple of weeks, we've seen improvement with Trey Norwood and Parnell Motley now looked a little bit better against Kansas. This will be a heck of a lot different test than Kansas, though. These wide receivers, as you mentioned a moment ago, are very good and will definitely challenge Norwood and will definitely challenge uh, Parnell Motley and Stephen Parker and Khalil. We don't even know about Khalil Houghton. He's still out. So I'm assuming he's out. Yeah, I mean, and then Robert Barnes and the like and, and Chance Sylvie. So... You name it, and Trey Brown, I'm sure, will play as well. So this is going to be a, an immense challenge for Oklahoma's defense, even with the backup quarterback in there. Well, I guess, you know, if we want to be positive here, they're coming off their, their best defensive performance of the year. Yes, against Kansas, but, you know, no busts last week. Nobody really got burnt. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, at this point in time, I think we're going to take whatever they'll give us. Any good that they'll give us, we'll take it. We'll, so this feels like a game that, especially with a with a guy you know making his first start this year, this feels like a game where it would be perfect. This would be the perfect coming out time for the OU defense to start taking the ball away against these guys. How long have you been saying that? I, I know, all year? And, and I know it's, and I know you know. And even the two turnovers last week were kind of like. Meh. We're we're so far into the season, it, it's probably not going to happen. But you still never know, and this would be the perfect time to at least because you know what, I, Miami has built an entire season off of taking the ball away. You know how just it shows you how important it can be, and just how much better it makes your defense if you can just just make make a couple plays a game. Uh, and you know we'll see if they're able to do that. Take advantage of, of of a young a young quarterback still maybe getting used to these wide receivers is what I'm hoping. And you know what? Hey, you know maybe the front four plays a really good game and they they can get pressure on uh, on Chris Chuganov without blitzing. That that would be great. Will it happen? I, I think over the course of the season, it's it's been kind of an emphatic no for the most part. Um, but I think we're, we're, we're still waiting. We're, we're still waiting for any sort of good from the defense. And um, I, man, it'd be so nice if they, if they could just turn into just a, just, just an average unit that, that would just be a, a massive improvement. All right, Grant, what's going to happen in this game? Give me a prediction. What are we going to see out there Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, rather two forty-five kickoff? What's going to happen on Senior Day in Norman? I think this is going to be a game, honestly, where OU is is trailing most of the game. Um, I think they're going to win a wild shootout, and I think Baker Mayfield's going to save it at the end. Wow. Okay. Here's the thing about West Virginia's defense: the numbers don't look that great, but it's actually played its best in the last three weeks. Granted, not against the best offenses, but West Virginia was able to hold Iowa State to 16 points. I get it. Iowa State's offense is not great. Was able to hold Kansas State to 23 points. I know Kansas State's offense is not great, but ask Oklahoma State how good Kansas State's offense is. Ask Oklahoma how good Kansas State's offense is. Jeez. And last week, Texas got 28 points. Uh, and it, it wasn't like a dominant 28. I mean, Texas got like 400 yards of offense. I mean, the defense played relatively well against Ellinger. So, I mean, granted, Oklahoma is the best offense West Virginia will have seen all season. And the last time West Virginia saw an offense this good was Oklahoma State, and the Cowboys put up 50 on them. So I think Oklahoma is actually going to be able to <laughs> put up some points. I'm going to say the Sooners are going to win this one 45-21. And I believe that does cover the spread. If they win forty-five to twenty-one, I will be ecstatic. I, I, I just, I, I told you, I have a bad feeling. But I, I just, I think this this game is going to be really weird. You've had a lot of bad feelings, though. I'm telling you, and a lot of them hasn't really panned out. You just, you got to use your eyes. What have you seen? I mean, Oklahoma was super vanilla on offense last week. They're going to be not as vanilla against a better West Virginia team. No, yeah, they're, they're going to come out with a regular 
type game plan this week. Um, they, I, at least I would hope so. Lincoln Riley knows he can't mess around with West Virginia, and if 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 he's coming into this game thinking that he can, that's a problem. Yeah, Daniel Holgerson's a really good coach. I like him a lot. And Tony he's... Gibson, the defensive coordinator, is a good coach. West Virginia. Th- this is this is this is the first time West Virginia has been has been below average on defense in a while. So. I remember last year going into the OU West Virginia game, which was super late in the year in Morgantown. There was a lot of talk about how West Virginia was had the I think they had the best defense in the Big Twelve last year. They did, yeah. And in Oklahoma, in that bad weather, did fairly well. A lot of short passes, a lot of D.D. Westbrook running open. Other Big Twelve matchups this week: Baylor is at TCU. The Frogs will get a nice W before the Big Twelve title game. Iowa State two and a half point favorites at Kansas State against against the Wildcats who just they're up and down but I, I feel like Iowa State's such a such a buttoned up team I could see Iowa State going in there and slowing down Kansas State because Iowa State's defense is pretty good and Kansas State's going to want to run it but I mean I can't stay at home they play so well and Iowa State's not ranked anymore but Iowa State's a good team so you know the Wildcats and Bill Snyder will be ready for the Cyclones Iowa State's going to come into Manhattan, Lee, and then a Big Ten game is going to break out. <laughs> that That is not going to be an aesthetically pleasing game. I probably will not watch it. Full disclosure. <laughs> KU is at Oklahoma State, so the Cowboys will get a nice little bounce back. Favored by booster. 42 points. That is a massive spread. That's like, that, that's like how much uh, Stanford was, uh, was an underdog to USC when, oh gosh, when they beat them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that'll happen in this scenario. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's not walking through that door in Lawrence. And that was over number one USC. This is number nineteen Oklahoma State. They're forty-two point favorites over a over a conference foe. That's, uh, you know what, I, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about the Kansas football program just because they just kind of exist. But after last week, I, they they pissed me off a little bit. That that was just that just a lot of loser mentality in that game. A very 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 stark example as to why they are the worst football program in the country. I saw I'm a just tweet saying this week, and I, I apologize to whoever tweeted it for not giving you proper credit because I can't remember who it was, but it was a good one. He said, uh, "Well, OU will be circling that Kansas game next year," which is kind of funny how two years in a row now Texas had Kansas circled. <laughs> Now Oklahoma's going to have Kansas circled next year. <laughs> and D- David Beatty's a terrible football coach. I just want to throw that out there. I mean, it's obvious. He's he's won three games in like five years there. It hasn't been that long. He's won three games in, I think, three years. Three years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. We'll, we'll see if he survives this year. Honestly, who cares? All right. Top 10, Grant. And here's... My thoughts on the top 10. I have severely amended my top 10 after last week. I was kind of thinking more along the lines of like a mixture of like the committee and also kind of like who would win and who I think is the best teams. My top 10 this week is who I think straight up the best teams are in college football. I don't care what their record is. I'm not ranking people. You know, honestly, if, if I was part of the committee, this is how I would rank. Because I would say, well, I mean, these are, you want the best teams. These are the, these are the best teams. And so I know yours is different. Yours is more of like if you were on the committee, how would you rank them? So with that caveat, here's the top ten this week. I'll start. I'll go with number ten. My number ten team is Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame probably honestly should be higher. And I look at this because Notre Dame, even though they got blasted by Miami, has dominated for the most part this entire year, and they just had one bad game. They fooled around. They almost lost to Navy on Saturday. Hey, Navy's tough. I picked Navy to cover. They did, they did cover. I know. So well done. Navy and Notre Dame always play close games. 
I found out. So, so there yeah, you go. Lee, my, my top 10 just is, has not changed this week. Um, you are right. I am ranking them how the committee would rank them. Um, I thought, uh, I, I still think that this is what the actual committee ranking should be. This is what it should have been last week. This is what it should be this week. Uh, number 10 is UCF. Uh, there, is, there is no compelling reason why UCF should not be at least near Wisconsin. I'm just, they, they've played similar strengths of schedules. UCF has been much more dominant. I, I just, one of them is in the Big Ten, the other's in the American. That's it. Yeah, you, you made me look like a fool last week when I took Temple over UCF. Uh, UCF. I'm starting to believe. UCF has played like a top 10 team every single week this year. They just have. They're, they're number four in S&P overall. They dominate. They kill everybody. So all the people talking about how, you know, we get, we need, we need an eight team playoff. Eight's the perfect number, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Certainly eight would be, would be better. And in an eight team playoff, would UCF even get in though? Because freaking better. That, that, that's, that's the problem. It's like, well, based on these rankings, they're 15th right now. They wouldn't even get that. That's why when people say that eight team playoff is the perfect number. No, like there's, I think in an eight team playoff, include more. I feel like in an eight team playoff, they would have a provision about the highest ranked group like, of five would get yeah, in yeah probably but i i just i on, on a neutral field right now i think ucf has a really good chance of beating wisconsin like a really good chance um and i even I need saw, to watch them play i, I haven't I, seen them play one game this year i even saw something like vegas vegas would say they would they would favor wisconsin by 13 over ucf man i'd be i'd be running to the casino if that was the line ucf against wisconsin that's all i'm saying i ucf is criminally underrated they're they're killing Everybody. Who's your number nine team? Uh, Ohio State. So I, Ohio State's in a really, really interesting position. I, I think I even mentioned this a few weeks ago, Lee. Ohio State's in a really good position to make the playoff, and I think people are starting to come around to it. Um, they, they, on, they only needed a couple dominoes to fall. They already have fallen. Um, they honestly, they just need Alabama to win out, and they need to win out, and Ohio State's going to be in the playoff. My number nine team is TCU. TCU with a ho-hum, rather dominant, actually, victory over Texas Tech in Lubbock without Kenny Hill, without their starting running back, and the defense played great and shut down Texas Tech. And RIP Cliff Kingsbury, I think this might be it for you. you gotta, you got to do more against – I know TCU's defense is good. you got to do more at home in that game, and you got to be able to score at least a touchdown. I mean, come on, man. You're right. That's You're just, right. That's, I mean, Texas Tech's offense is good. But it doesn't look good right now. So TCU is my number nine team. Uh, they're like out of the top ten. That's dumb. They're a top ten team for sure. Number eight for me is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, and I had them around here like a few weeks ago, and I kind of shot them up when last week whenever I kind of took them. Oh, they're undefeated. Yeah, they're top of the Big Ten. But you know what? As I said at the top, I admitted my rules. I'm going best teams, and I don't think Wisconsin's – a top five team at all uh, and I think even you can make the argument that putting them at eight is somewhat generous but I'll put the Badgers at eight you know what they're probably not going to happen but I could see them playing a close one with Minnesota especially after Minnesota got embarrassed last week and it's a rivalry game I, let me bring that up Lee and I, I actually was feeling good about my Gophers this weekend they are demolished by injuries okay. like they're they're okay. they are they their top three receivers well, are sucks. out their top three receivers oh, are out so i mean they're 
They're yeah, they're really good. So, so lay the points with with the Badgers. Then you're saying, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised. There, Minnesota's defense has been has been very decent all year long. They just don't get a lot of help from the offense. The, the offense has gone three and out a lot this year. Um, you know what? Minnesota does have a really good nose tackle in Steven Richardson. Um, if he plays the game of his life, I can see I can see them maybe slowing down Wisconsin's running game a little bit and forcing Alex Hornibrook to beat you, which I don't think he can uh, with anybody. I don't think he can beat any team by himself. I will say though, he randomly will make some like decent two throws. or three, just like oh my gosh, great throw that like almost saves drives. But yet he'll throw a pick every week yeah, he, or more. He had a couple that I'm That's thinking annoying. of off the top of my head um, against Michigan. He had two really nice throws. Um, but force him to make those throws consistently – that's that's not happening. But anyway, sorry to go on. My number eight team leads Notre Dame. Um, I think Notre Dame's actually losing some steam here. They, the, I, I don't think they're they're really the quality of a top ten team right now. But you all you do have to take into account what they've what they've done over the course of the season, and you don't just forget those eight other games that they won that they dominated in. Um, so I think you know they got completely. Uh, just blasted by by Miami. They fooled around with Navy last week and almost lost. Um, I I don't think it would shock anybody if they went on the road and lost to Stanford this week. A, a Stanford team that's playing well. I, I wouldn't. I don't think it wouldn't surprise anyone if Notre Dame lost this week. All right, number seven for me is the Auburn Tigers. I'm not the biggest fan of Auburn because I want to stay consistent and not drastically change my thoughts based off of one game which still Auburn played last week but it was against I can't remember it was it was it was the the typical late November SEC bye week against an FCS garbage team that a lot of SEC teams play so the most recent game we have is that Georgia game where they dominated I just I don't want to overreact to that one game where they look so good and I didn't think they were a top 10 team before that so I'll compromise I'm not going to have them in the top five or the top six I'll put them at seven because I do think that Auburn would beat Wisconsin and I do think Auburn would – it'd be close, but I think Auburn would probably beat TCU and probably Notre Dame too at this point. So that's why I have Auburn at number seven. What about you? Uh, number seven for me, Lee, is Georgia. Um, I, I think we're all just kind of waiting and seeing on Georgia. Uh, they're, of course, their they're big impressive win of the season was on the road at Notre Dame. The shine on that win, of course, has been – you know. Not not quite as evident the last two weeks with Notre Dame not looking as great. And, of course, don't even forget, I mean, they got physically manhandled by Auburn. They got blown off the field. Uh, so, you know, still waiting for Georgia. I, 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 could, I, I could see them playing um, a really competitive game this week against Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech might give them issues uh, just because six days to prepare for a triple option attack. They're on the road. Um, I, Georgia Tech, I know, doesn't have a great defense. I think Georgia's probably going to be able to run the ball and control the clock fairly easily. Uh, but, man, playing the triple option on the road against a Georgia Tech team that is a good program. They've played New Year's Six Bowls um, recently. This is a good program. You never know. I think Georgia's likely to win, but do not be surprised at all if Georgia Tech gives them all they want. Uh, Lee, my number six team is Auburn, the team that you just talked about. Um, I have them ahead of Georgia. I think Georgia's overall body of work is 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 more impressive um i can't put georgia ahead of auburn when when auburn beat them by 100 points i I just i can't do that so that's why auburn's there i i think um man that iron bowl this week is really interesting i i i I have no feel for that game whatsoever um but 
I guess we'll see. Auburn's in really good position. They're 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 in win and they're in position. They just have to win out and they're in the playoff. My number sixteen is Miami. I think Miami is way too dependent on turnovers. They should have lost to Virginia last week. Uh, but, hey, they got some turnovers, made some plays. And I, I do think it is worth mentioning that they played a lot of close games. And I I do buy into, you know, you play a lot of close games. You learn how to win, as we talked about weeks ago with OU with, when they were playing all those close games. And it wasn't pretty, but Oklahoma was winning. I think that's that's useful. I think you can learn earn experience. Overall, though, I, I think Miami, again, you can't be – super dependent on turnovers because you can't always rely on them and at some point they're not going to happen and that means that that Miami offense which is just okay is going to have to win a game and I mean again Miami's defense got some turnovers against Virginia gave up a lot of yards I mean was exposed by a, a middle of the road Virginia team who's not terrible but not great so I got Miami at six Lee, my number five team is Wisconsin uh, we've we've talked about them extensively already do you want to say your five team Number five is Georgia. Even though they lost to Auburn, it, I think it matters that Auburn's got the two losses. So it's not an equal resume because you could, if if you're gonna say it's equal resume, it's the same argument last year with Penn State and Ohio State. It wasn't equal, even though Penn State had the head-to-head win. Penn State had two losses. So I'm sorry, like that matters to me. I mean, you have that extra loss that can mean the world. So that's why Georgia to me is up at number five. And again, I don't want to overreact to one game. I know Georgia didn't play that well. It was one game. They got their mulligan out of the way. And I still think Georgia's a pretty darn good team. And I'm not, I'm not saying if Auburn and Georgia played right now, they'd both win. Um, but I guess in this sense, I'm kind of going against my, my poll of who I think would win. I'm basing this one more off of the record. So I will, I will acknowledge that this is a bit of a, uh, a head scratcher, of putting Georgia above Auburn, but I'm, I'm basing it off of the loss. So that's why I have Georgia at five. And um, so you did your five team. I'll go down to number four. And number four is Ohio State. And I guess I'm, even though with the two losses, I think <laughs> I think Ohio State is better than all of the teams I just mentioned. I think they would beat all those teams I just mentioned. And I also think Ohio State's going to make the playoff. I think they're going to make it because I think they're going to blow the doors off of Wisconsin after Ohio State wins whoever they play this week. And it's it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, unless something goes awry in the SEC, I just I don't buy that that one conference will get two teams. It's not going to happen because uh, the committee likes to talk about championships. So I, that, everyone talks about the Pac-12 being dead. The Pac-12 is so far behind. Well, okay, that's one Power Five team out. So there's only four other Power Five conferences. So you, it, the logical sense is that the power, all four Power Five champions will make make the playoff. So yeah, I think I think Ohio State's gonna be in because I, I, it's hard for me to imagine them losing to Michigan and then losing to, to Wisconsin. Yeah, Ohio State's in is in great position, I think, which is so annoying. But they're gonna make it. Sorry, I, I didn't mean it's to just go. no, it's fine. I mean, that's just that's just how this season has gone. They picked the perfect season to be pretty wishy washy for two games, um, and really, really dominant in in their nine other games up to this point. Except they weren't dominant against Penn State. Actually, they kind of were. But anywho, uh, Lee, my number four team is Clemson. So uh, I have Clemson at number four. Of course, I think Clemson is number three in the actual playoff rankings, right? They, the, the committee, I guess, for some reason, thought, felt like they needed to move Miami up to number two this week. I guess. I, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming it's because Clemson played the Citadel and, and Miami actually played a conference opponent on, the, on their schedule. Whatever. I, I think Clemson's in a lot of trouble this week at South, uh, uh, out at South Carolina. I think this is a game. And, and 
I, I typically wouldn't say this, but Clemson just really is really mediocre on offense. They are. They they just they do not do a lot to to put a lot of pressure on you in offense. Um, they're just not very dynamic. Um, and they're going on the road to play a night game against an eight and three South Carolina team. Now, I don't think South Carolina is really that good this year. I think they're they're probably the uh, the beneficiary of, of playing in a really weak SEC East, but there's something going on with that South Carolina team this year. I mean, they, they're doing something right. They're eight and three. Uh, Clemson has struggled against everybody this year with a pulse, except for Louisville and Louisville. It's debatable whether or not they have a pulse. Um, so I, I think Clemson's in a lot of trouble this week. Uh, OU fans root for Clemson hard. I, I mean, I'm sorry, root for South Carolina hard. Uh, that, that would be, I, we're at that point now where I think we're we're looking at matchups right now, and I'm I'm scared to death of of playing Alabama in the first round of that playoff. Um, so I th- I think if Clemson were were to lose this week, that would be a, a really a, a really important domino to fall for matchups in in, in the playoff potentially. Hmm. So that was your number four team. Yeah. All right, I'll go number three. I have Clemson at number three. Uh, no need to say anything else about them. I I mean. Clemson's still really good though, and and I know that their offense is not not that great, um, but they just get it done, and, and they're getting the benefit of the doubt, like Alabama, as far as this, these polls go. I mean, obviously, especially having them over Oklahoma in the playoff. Yeah, the, the the playoff committee would never say that, but that's the only conceivable reason that Clemson is ahead of Oklahoma. There's there is no logical reason for Clemson to be ahead of Oklahoma right now. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not going to go through the resumes. The resumes aren't even close. OU's is is much better. So uh, anyway, Lee, my number three team is Miami. We did already talk a little bit about them. I did want to bring this up though, um, just how much I like S and P. There's a stat in there called win expectancy. What it does, it takes the box scores, all of the stats, every single play from every game, and it spits out a number. Uh, with these numbers, you'd be expected over the history of college football to win this game this percentage amount of times. Um, Miami has two games this year that they were monumentally lucky to win. Uh, against Florida State, they had a 23% win expectancy in that game. Um, and in this past week against Virginia, they had a 38% win expectancy in that game. And uh, they, they won both those games be, because of turnovers, because their opponents turned the ball over in really inopportune times. Um, that's just that's not sustainable. Uh, eventually, you're, you're going to play a team that is that doesn't shoot itself in the foot. Um, and I... I Miami, I, I think they've earned where they are. I, I still think they're a year away. I think they've really they've picked a good year this year where they, they haven't played that challenging of a schedule um, and sort of a down year for college football. Um, Miami's a year away. I, I, I think they're I, I honestly don't really think they're a top 10 team, the quality of one, um, but their resume obviously is, so you have to put them there. All right, so we're down to our number two, number one teams, and obviously number two for me is Oklahoma. Number one is Alabama. Not much else to say there. I mean, Oklahoma is number four in the real college football playoff rankings, and he's still, I mean, if truly the reasoning behind that by the committee is that they don't like Oklahoma's defense right now, like, that's such a stupid reasoning. Like, why does that matter? Why does it matter if you don't like the defense? And and it's it's fair to, to acknowledge, like, okay, you don't like Oklahoma's defense, why don't you rip on like Wisconsin's offense or like, why don't you rip, rip on Miami's offense, which is just like, I guess if you're going to compare Miami's offense, to Oklahoma's defense, yeah, Oklahoma's defense, I guess t- is statistically is 
probably worse, but like not that much worse. I mean, like they're not, they're just like fine. I mean, these are so like, I don't understand why defense is always like, Oh, the defense is bad. Like why can't we talk about bad offenses? Because Oklahoma's offense is far and away better than everybody else's offense. Like why doesn't that factor in at all? It's so, I mean, if that's the reason why Oklahoma is at number four, what, and, yeah. what, what we've seen so far. And I, I've gone back and forth. I've, I've asked myself, am I being a Homer here? Or not, the committee is, has done a really poor job up to this point. At least well, the if, first if, two weeks, remember, were yeah. pretty good. If, if, if the last two weeks are any indication, the committee is, is not doing a very good job right now. Uh, and I, I mean, that, I think that, that's the consensus amongst pretty much everybody in the yeah, media I mean, and everywhere. Yeah. Media members, do you see, put their top 10 up and like Oklahoma is at least three, if not two. Yeah. And, and so I just, I, I, I don't like it because it really just kind of screams that this committee might think they're holier than thou. We know better than everyone else. I, right now you're showing, you don't know a whole lot. And I'm just, I, I don't mean to beat my chest and whatever, but I, right now it seems like I watch a lot more college football than you guys do. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's this is the most college football I've watched my entire life this year, just because I knew we'd be doing this podcast and I'd like to be more informed on not just the Big 12, but around the country. And I wanted to watch Sam Darnold play a lot. And I was curious and like, you know, and man, I just there's been a couple times where I've been surprised, obviously. But I feel like I got a pretty good pulse of the college football this year. And yeah, Oklahoma's defense is not good, but it's it's it hasn't looked terrible the past two weeks. And I mean, I guess you could I guess it's a good thing that Oklahoma is not out of the top five, top four, but that shouldn't be an issue. I mean, they up to, up to this point. The Sooners have a better resume than both Miami. Well, I understand Miami again because of the, the, the undefeated aspect of it, but um, Clemson, certainly not. All right, let's go to the picks. Grant, you were a perfect 5-0 and last week. Congratulations. I was 3-2. and Going for some random upset picks. So on this season, you have me by three games. We'll start with the game. Is that the game? Ohio State-Michigan is the game, right? The game, yeah. I think so. What's Cal Stanford? Is that the game? Oh yeah, that's what that. No, I think that's what the. Isn't that that's what that's like what the famous game is called, right? The game, <laughs> like the famous lap? rapper, of the game. Whatever. Who cares? Who 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 wins? Ohio State and Michigan is the, is is the game, Lee. Who wins? Uh, it's it's going to be Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State's going to win. John O'Corn is starting for Michigan. Um, I, Michigan's offense is a disaster. I, I don't. I just don't see how they're going to move it. But hey. Their, their offense is, is objectively better than Iowa's offense, and Iowa put up 500 yards and, like, 60 points on Ohio State. So, gosh, that's – yeah, I mean, that is no doubt. I mean, I said at the time, but, like, that's the most ridiculous outcome of this entire college football yeah, and season. Let's, and let's say it, too. Uh, Michigan's, Michigan's going to get some stops against Ohio State. Oh, yeah. So Michigan has a legit top-five defense. Um, I wouldn't say that. I would, and I'm generally right more often than you are. I mean, you should always give if you're going to say that you got to give the caveat of Michigan's got a legit top five defense, but it plays like a middle of the road defense a lot of time because the offense is so bad. It's so bad. And there's positions. there's just a lot of pressure. Being and like, put on yeah, they're, defense. they're asked to do everything for the team. It's but from an efficiency standpoint there, I believe they're the number one team in the country and and allowing successful plays, which means just, you're a good defense. Yeah, it's a good defense. It just sucks for them because they know they get stops. And it doesn't matter because they're going to watch John O'Corn and the rest of that terrible offense try on the field and move the ball four yards and then punt gross it's just it's so bad so yeah we're both taking ohio state ohio state's 12 point favorite they're gonna win by three touchdowns minimum notre dame at stanford the irish are a two and a half point favorite on the road and and i've i have not figured out stanford all year long i feel like i'm always on the wrong side of the cardinal this is a night game 
I think Notre Dame's a better team. I think Notre Dame's a, is still a really good team, and I still think that Miami game was so weird, and I'm, I'll take the Irish to beat Stanford. Uh, I'm going to take Stanford. Notre Dame, like I said, I, th- I think they're trending you know, outside of the top 10. Stanford's playing well right now. They are. Bryce Love is back healthy. Um, Notre Dame is not healthy. They're, they're still banged up from, from that Wake Forest game a few weeks ago. Um, and obviously against Miami, and then they struggled with Navy last week. I may be totally wrong. This is when this might be when Notre Dame just kind of brushes all that stuff off and, and looks dominant again. I'm just not seeing it though. I, it's it's always tough to go on the road like this, especially against Stan- and Stanford's a team that's just that's not going to beat themselves. Um, and when you're when you're a one trick pony like Notre Dame, I on offense, I just I I I like Stanford a lot in this game. I, I just. I honestly, I, I don't even see really how Notre Dame wins this game. I, I think Stanford's going to win almost yeah. easily. Yeah. Speaking of Notre Dame, one of the popular outside-the-box college football playoff talking points this week, I feel like, has been, oh, can USC get in the get in the playoff still? How can you honestly talk about USC getting in the playoff whenever you have Notre Dame right there with the same amount of losses as USC with that head-to-head blowout of USC? That's a very good point. Like, how could you put USC in the playoff over a Notre Dame? I get that USC would have, like, the conference title extra game. But, like, still, like, the two losses would be equal. A lot of a lot of stuff would have to happen for USC right. to get in. Right, I know. It's just, like, I feel like nobody brings up the fact that, oh, wait, Notre Dame has the same amount of losses as USC and boat raced the Trojans. Washington State at Washington, the Apple Cup. I haven't got a chance to watch a lot of Washington this year since, since the beginning. And, you know, when they had that surprising lost to Arizona State apparently Washington State starting to play better but I don't I don't trust the I don't trust the Cougars on the road at all and neither does Vegas because the Huskies are a 10 point favorite in a rivalry game and when they're whether when Washington's ranked lower than Washington State so I'm going to trust Vegas I'm going to take the Huskies to win I'm going to take Washington also Lee Washington's been a weird team this year Um, they've They've lost two just kind of weird and explicable. I guess losing to Stanford on the road is not that weird, but they lost to a, a bad Arizona State team, which was weird. Um, and their nine wins this year, Lee Washington has been dominant. They they kill everywhere. They're they're a lot like uh, Ohio State in that favor. They've just had two games this year that have just been really bad, but they've they've dominated pretty much everyone else. Um, it depends on which wash if good Washington shows up, they'll win by by two or three touchdowns. Um, you know, obviously, if, if the weird version of Washington shows up, they'll they'll lose. So uh, I'll I'll take Washington though, just because nine out of eleven times this year they've they've shown up and, and blown out the opposition. So Clemson at South Carolina. You and I talked about this briefly when we were mentioning Clemson. I'm going to take Clemson to win, but I most I most definitely will take South Carolina plus the points in this one. Exact same, yeah. I think I think Clemson is going to win, and you're right, Lee. I I have a lot of respect for Clemson. I, I just I, I just they're just not dynamic at the quarterback position this year, and they it's, don't tell that to the committee. It's it, it's obvious that they really miss Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams on offense. It's just obvious. Um, their defense is still really nasty, still really good. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Clemson is going to win, but South Carolina is is almost certainly going to cover in this game. And finally, the Iron Bowl. Everyone's uh, looking forward to this one. 2.30 kickoff. Kind of disappointed it's at 2.30 because I'm not going to get a chance to watch it because uh, I'll be at the OU game at that time. So I'll wait for the the uh, random updates they show you at the uh, at the stadium, as you probably remember back in the day, where you just get like a highlight from each game, and you're like, that's not a whole lot. Anyways, Alabama to Auburn. I'm going to take the Crimson Tide. I'll believe it when I see it with Auburn. Yeah, they played great against Georgia. I'm going to take Nick Saban over Gus Malzahn. I know that Alabama has got some injuries, but 
I don't trust Auburn at all, even though that that the the Tigers are at home. Uh, again, once again, until I until I see it happen with my own two eyes, I'm going to take Alabama at this point. I'm going to take Alabama too. Um, I'm going to do it with a caveat. Th- this is not this this is not a regular Alabama team. They are very vulnerable. Um, I just I just wouldn't be surprised at all if they lost. Uh, but I, I I don't trust Auburn. I, I think Auburn is kind of a they're very wishy washy. I we're we're supposed I to. I don't like their offense. We're yeah. We're, we're supposed, supposed to be like we're, dynamic, but I don't I, like it. We're supposed to believe in them just you know based off that blowout of Georgia, which was impressive. Uh, but I I'm gonna need to see it more than once. And I Auburn has has given me too many reasons to doubt them this year at, at this point. Um, so I, I I think I think Alabama's gonna come in. They'll they'll probably shut them down uh, offensively. And I I'll take Alabama, but I I think it probably will be close. Okay, that's our show. Grant and I will be back Monday with reaction from OU West Virginia. Happy Thanksgiving once again. For Grant, I'm Lee. This is West of Everest.